Hey guys, welcome back to the Passive Buddies podcast and we've got a pretty cute episode today. I'm really excited about this one. Um, as usual, we have our co-host Brandon Duff here and today he is going to talk us through his infinite money loop system. What do you do when the dream of an online business makes you work harder than a day job would? The answer, you build passive income. On the Passive Buddies podcast, we cover the myths behind passive income and how to build true financial and time freedom. Welcome to the Passive Buddies podcast. Doesn't that sound sexy? That sounds sexy, yeah? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Hit me, mate. Okay, so what is the infinite money loop? Yeah, so this is a kind of something I created as I've been talking to other people how wealthy people get wealthy. I actually paid $6,000, um, I think beginning of this year, maybe the end of last year to talk to a financial advisor and see if we were kind of on track to where we wanted to be. And I ended up knowing more than he did that I felt. And um, we paid for his services and he went through our financials and he says, you guys are doing great. And then um, he kind of gave us some, uh, a, not even a roadmap. He pretty much was trying to sell us life insurance after we've paid him $6,000. And I was just like, no. Just off and have a little run. Don't you find the really frustrating? Like I went to one as well, like a couple of years ago. And I was like, right, okay, listen. I was like, this is how I want to do it. I want to put everything through the business. And I literally want to spin it off from there. And he was like, have you thought about a pension? I was like, of course I've thought about a pension, but that's not what I'm here for. If I want a pension, I'll go get a pension. I was like, oh my God. And they just can't get the red around it, can they? Like financial advisors, like standard ones. Six grand for a financial advisor. You should be like, you should be kicking your ass going, right, this is how you do it. This, do, do, do. But these guys, they take, well, nine times out of 10, they, they take a course and they regurgitate take information. Oh, yeah. carry on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, I was not happy about the situation, but um, he he kept messaging me, and at one point I was like, I think we're good. Like, I'm just gonna wipe our hands clean, and we'll be we'll be good to go. So, um, so yeah, he was just trying to get us on a life insurance policy so that he gets recurring income. Um, so it, it totally makes sense, but I was not happy with the, the thing. But I digress, and so we. Um, I paid six grand. I was like, okay, I, I, and this is what I'm actually teaching in our inner circle. So um, don't tell them I am telling you guys this. Uh, hopefully <laughs> they didn't see this in uh, on a podcast because uh, it's okay. Uh, so what it is, is I realized I had real estate and we could borrow against it. And so that's what we're able to do. We're able to do a cash out refi and take out, um, money and take that money and leverage it and diversify and buy a uh, another rental property. So I'll, I'll give you another story. If you listen to our previous episode, um, I talked about how we diversify risk, but this is how I diversified in um, real estate. And I'm going to actually go over the whole infinite money loop after. So uh, definitely stay till the end. But essentially what I did was we had a real estate property and for one year, and if you didn't hear the story of how we uh, had a squatter almost, then you definitely want to listen to the last episode. But after about a year, it appreciated. 
just like all assets do well, with time and inflation. That's why the wealthy don't mind inflation because they own assets. And as inflation goes up, those assets increase, uh, just like stocks increase, just like um, you know, any gold increases, all these uh, hard assets or even crypto assets, they increase over time. Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, not these shit coins because those are not real assets. And so I, after a year, I was able to have enough um, appreciation where I could borrow against my, my asset and take out that money and then buy another rent, rental property. I didn't appreciate enough where I could just pay it outright. So I ended up, I think it was, how much was it? It was like 30,000 and I think I had 15. Oh, actually I lied. So the first rental property, um, it appreciated, but didn't have enough income um, from that rental property to pull out equity. So we ended up buying a uh, second rental property from my, uh, as a personal trainer. So both rental properties came out of my pocket and I didn't um, borrow against them. But our first four unit, uh, it was three years has passed. And so it appreciated a bunch. We were able to take out the equity um, and I think at that time it was 80,000. I was able to take out 40,000 and put $40,000 of my own money and buy a fourth unit or a third, a four unit. So that put, that was our third property. A four unit is just four. In, um, it's a, I think they call it a flat in the UK or like an apartment yeah, where it's yeah. like, um, small houses attached together. And so we had uh, four, we had two single family homes and a, a four unit or four flat. And we had six units. And then after that, we bought our fourth rental property, which was a, another four unit, completely out of pocket, uh, zero out of pocket with using uh, a cash out refi. So we cash out, we did a cash out refi, refinanced all three of our properties, took out all the equity and was able to buy the fourth property with no money out of pocket. So the first two properties that I paid cash out of pocket, the third property, we refinanced both properties and put down some of my own money to buy a third property. And the fourth property, we refinanced all three properties and bought the fourth unit for completely like no money out of pocket or what they say, no or low money down. And so that's what we're able to do is leverage assets to take out the money and use it to buy other things. And so I thought, you know, that's really cool because we can just kind of play monopoly. We can upgrade our houses to hotels in a sense and continuously buy more real estate. And but that in um, doing so causes a lot of leverage. You're constantly refinancing. You only have 20% down. So if the if we go through another, another financial crisis or say for instance, COVID when people were um, able to stay in properties and um, not be kicked out because of um, some of the laws here in the United States where they're um, putting more emphasis on the tenant and allowing them to stay inside the property versus if they couldn't afford rent, they didn't, they couldn't be evicted. Mm. And so that's was kind of like a cool thing that I learned about, uh, not learned about, but cool thing that I did was I was able to borrow against my asset and buy other things. And which gets us to the other side of the loop. So in crypto, crypto is also considered taxed as a property is property. Um, you're able when you 
you pay capital gains on it. You, um, you know, all the different, well, I'm not a tax advisor, so don't take this as financial advice. And I don't know where you live, the, the, the listener. So obviously do your own research, but in where we live in the United States, crypto is taxed as property. And with a lot of these financial institutions in crypto, you're able to borrow against those assets. And so essentially with real estate, I have to put 20% down, but I can leverage 80%. The leverage of 80 is through the bank. And in crypto, I can take my crypto in a sense and put it into a quote unquote bank and borrow against it. And so if I say, for instance, have make it easy. So you can borrow up to um, 150% uh, of your asset. So in crypto. So if I have Bitcoin and I have $200,000, I can put it in this bank and then borrow against it and take out cash and have 100%, uh, have $100,000 in cash. So now I have uh, my, my rental property in a sense, which is BTC or Bitcoin, and I have an asset that's $200,000, I can take $100,000 of it and then say buy a rental property. And in doing so, I'm able to uh, buy a property that maybe buy, might be like decrepit or run down and um, get it for say 80,000. And then um, pay it all, all outright and then use the extra 20,000. Obviously I'm making up numbers because uh, where I live, I'm, you're not gonna find a house for $100,000, but you could probably find one for, you know, around that, or at least put some money down. We can fix it up, do some forced appreciation, um, and then say we bought it outright, we can then get a loan for uh, the property up to 80%. So take out 80% uh, of the, the, the proceeds and then say, for instance, the house was 120, we're able to take out, uh, we, for, got forced, we bought it for 100, it, uh, appreciated to uh, 120, I'm able to take out the 80%, which is 100,000, and then I can go back and buy more Bitcoin and then repeat the process. So instead of paying back the loan on the Bitcoin, I now have $200,000 um, in Bitcoin. I have a $100,000 loan on the, uh, the Bitcoin in a sense. I have a house that has been forced appreciated and is now worth 120, but I have a loan on it for 100,000. I then take that 100,000 that I've uh, bought, not borrowed, but I took a loan on the house because it was outright paid for. And I buy another $100,000 worth of crypto and I add it to that bank. So now I have $300,000 in crypto. I have a $100,000 loan on it. So now it drops my leverage from 50% to 33%. And my house is now worth, um, I have a loan on it for $100,000. It's worth $120,000. So that's about 20%. And so if, as time goes on, both those assets appreciate, never really have to pay down the loan because the assets are appreciating. So it reduces my leverage. And on crypto, you can actually get a 0% credit line. So I don't have to, that, that money's kind of free in a sense, especially with 0%. And then all I have to worry about is the house, but the house is being paid by the tenant and it's being forced appreciation. So, the more of the story is 
you you can borrow with crypto. You can borrow your your money uh, against your money completely for free. Buy hard assets, refinance those assets, pull the money out, buy more Bitcoin, and continuously do that loop. And in doing so, you pretty much are not guaranteed, but uh, with a good, strong, as time goes on, those assets are going to appreciate. And then you get into the really what's called is um, buy, borrow, which you're borrowing against the assets to pay for other things and then die. And in doing so, you never have to pay back the loan. The, um, the, houses get transferred over to um you know a family member or whatever so you get step-based costs so you're not paying uh like death tax you're paying a um whatever the like going rate is at that time and it's just ultimately how you create wealth and you never pay down those assets because you're constantly on leverage i mean that's how the government that's why the government our government at least is super into debt because they know they can make more money with leverage and not pay down the national debt. They just increase interest rates or whatever to have U.S. citizens pay down the debt. And so that's how you create wealth is you never uh, pay down the actual assets. You actually just keep borrowing against them. And you can do this with life insurance. So the kind of one thing I've not learned, but and I've already knew this before we even talked to a financial advisor, but with life insurance, you're putting money consistently into uh, a fund that in like a couple of years after it's, um, um, what's it called? Not appreciated, but has, I don't know what the, I can't think of the name right now, but when it's um, not expired, but the opposite of expired when it's, um, kind of grown in a way you are able to take money from that life insurance policy tax-free and use that to buy other things. So you can buy it from your house. Uh, you can buy a house, you can buy a car, and then you can use that, um, your, your uh, house to like rent it out to like, we rent our car. I rent my car on Toro and I can use my life insurance policy to buy a, a Toro a car and then rent that out on Toro. And then the, whoever's renting it is paying back my life insurance policy. So now I have two assets that are making money. So that's a smaller scale, but that's essentially what my ultimate money loop is, is borrowing against one asset and then crypto and then having it buy back and continuously um, doing that. And it's funny because I kind of not learned this from crypto, but kind of put these two pieces together because people, what they would do is there's this, uh, there's program or this, um, platform called time wonderland and people would borrow against, um, their crypto. They would stake it buy um, borrow against it with like uh, another crypto and then buy more of this, uh, this time wonderland, which then they would keep looping. So they would buy more, uh, time wonderland, they would stake it, they would borrow against it, buy more time, time wonderland, stake it, borrow against it, which caused a lot of people over leveraged. But um, that's obviously you need to kind of not be over leveraged. But that's why you get into things. That's why I created it with both real estate and crypto because. Um, you have two a hard asset that has cash flow that's different than the actual asset itself, and then you have crypto where I can borrow against it to buy more real estate. So 
that's uh, my ultimate money loop. I, if I were to show you guys a diagram and I'll send it, if you're watching the video portion of this, I have a kind of a uh, picture representation of it and we'll, uh, we'll add it to the video portion of this uh, somewhere in this. But definitely check that out. If you're not subscribed to Brian's YouTube channel, definitely check that out because he posts uh, all of the videos of this podcast on his YouTube. I have it on mine also, but definitely check out. It's probably easier to find Brian's. So uh, what, what questions do you have to clear, clarify some things so that people can kind of get their heads wrapped around this? So what obviously one, obviously send me the, the link to the PDF and we'll put it in the show notes so people can get access to it on the podcast. Um, and two, how, what is over leverage and how do you make sure you don't become over leveraged? So over leveraged is for me, I think that if you have so much debt that it's eating up all your cash flow, and if say for instance, kind of where we talked about diversifying risk in the previous podcast where I only had one rental property and, or we talked about business. If you only have one uh, um, client, when they're gone, then you have no way to make that, uh, that income. And so then the money comes out of your pocket. So like, for instance, when we had one rental property and she was no longer a tenant, um, all that money was coming out of my pocket. And if I didn't have the money to pay for that mortgage, then I could be closed on. So that'd be over leveraged in crypto. You have a, uh, it's much worse in it. Well, it's not, I wouldn't say it's much, much worse, but if you say, for instance, um, have a hundred thousand dollars and you're able to borrow $50,000. Oh, actually I'll give you a perfect example. Um, say I bought Bitcoin at $60,000. I put it into um, the, the bank in a quote unquote bank and crypto bank. And I borrowed 50% of that. So I borrowed $30,000 um, in the most recent um, crash of crypto. It did drop down uh, 50%. And so if that dropped down 50%, then I would be uh, essentially over leveraged because they only allow for, I think, 75% leverage. So if it went over 75% leverage, they could seize my asset and take the whole, take all my Bitcoin and convert it to cash to rectify the situation. Luckily, I already had the $30,000 out because I've already I've taken that money out and I'm borrowing against it. But I mean, that's also a good thing too, because if you think about it, that's kind of a protection or a hedge, because if I'm taking that money and using that, say I bought it at 60,000, I borrowed against it and I have $30,000, sure I'm out the $30,000, but it's, I've, but it's dropped 50% and I've already taken $30,000 out. So and it's really indifferent because I'm, it's already dropped 30% or 50% and I'm able to, I've already bought a house. So that's paying me money and that's a hard asset. So I think more of, um, so to answer your question, over leverage would be if I bought at 60, um, it dropped like it did 50% and they liquidated my position and they can do that with crypto. Um, with real estate, obviously you have like, you have to go through proceedings, you have to go through like a court to make sure that you have to file bankruptcy or short sale it. But in crypto, it's all smart contracts. 
So if the leverage is dropped, they can instantly seize your position. So, um, and that would be over leverage. So that's why I created this ultimate money loop because if you borrow against your asset, you buy a hard asset, and then you have cash flow coming in that's cash flow positive from your real estate, then you can pay either one, pay back that position, or you can buy more crypto to lessen your leverage. But we also go into more things with back loops and back feeders, where, for instance, I'm taking play to earn games. I'm using that to backfill my position, which is just buying more crypto and adding more crypto to that, that stockpile in a sense, or in that bank. So it, it reduces my risk. Even when the um, market is dropping, I'm buying more through play to earn games, which is then padding that position. Just like if you were in real estate where uh, you're, you have a house, your tenant moves out, but I have a business. Luckily, I can have that business pay for the mortgage uh, in a way. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what you want is not to be over leveraged because if you can't pay for um, and backfill your position or de-risk or de-leverage your position, then your assets can be, can be taken. Got it. Okay. So as usual, like we we'll always say, like with anything, there's risk, um, but there's definitely ways of mitigating that risk and having that loop um, to, again, it's about diversification, isn't it? Obviously, diversifying those assets um, that allows multiple cash flows. So if one goes down, the rest can feed. Right. It can feed any of the leverage that you've taken out on them. And I mean, ultimately, that's how people create, create real wealth is through leverage, um, understanding debt. Um, there's good debt and there's bad debt. And, and bad debt would be like, a, a, this is more like gray debt, but student loan debt. I consider it bad debt because it's not really producing in, uh, any income for you today. Sure, it could produce income for you later if you actually go into that field. But with like, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, you really don't need uh, to go to college nowadays. You can find everything on YouTube or hiring a mentor who's already done it. I mean, I don't know, like, why would you ever go to school to learn from a college professor who hasn't done what they've been teaching in like 30 years when you can go and hire someone online who's been in the field and knows what's going on and is what's going on at this moment and what the current trending things are that can take you from, you know, step one to step 10 in a matter of a few months versus waiting four years to only relearn everything you've learned from like, uh, in a, in the work environment. I mean, most of the time from what I've heard from people is you go in, you learn everything in school and then you go work from someone and they say, okay, now that you know all this stuff, this is how we actually do it. And uh, then you get retrained on everything else. So um, that's a whole different topic. And we'll definitely uh, go on that tangent of schooling in, in another episode. But um, yeah, ultimately, like being able to buy assets that you don't get over leveraged on, that you have a business that could, uh, or another asset that can kind of cover the cost or cover if things go or what you said, what ifs, and um, be able to secure yourself and make sure that you're not over leveraged. 
Nice. Okay. Now that is literally the only question I had around the whole thing. Obviously, if you give us the PDF, then obviously everyone who has got like and obviously take a look and obviously it might clear the mind a little bit. I know she as usual, guys, come and drop us a comment, come and ask us a question. Like we're always free, we're always available to obviously like help out. Um and if you need us to do another episode or a video training, we can go and put that together um to to help you out. Um final thoughts. Go and buy buy back your time by owning things that uh, create cash flow and are able to mitigate your uh, your time away from your family. Um, I think that if you have assets that I mean that's why we're, it's funny. I'm going to end it with this, but I don't know if I said this in the other episode. But if you had if I gave you a thousand a million dollars, you'd be pretty stoked, right? Mm, yeah, you'd be you'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? Yeah, like you would, like if I, I'm asking you, Brian, if I give you a million dollars right now, and would you have a bad day? No, you you wouldn't say so. Like nothing could knock you off that day. Yeah, like it'd be like one of the best days probably of your life. You'd be like, I I would have no more issues with debt or anything like that. Like amazing, right? But how would you feel if I gave you $10 million? That'd still be ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) But what if I gave you that $10 million and you couldn't wake up the next day? You wouldn't take it, would you? Right. So I think that a lot of people in in the online field or in, in just life, they try and work all the time to provide for their families and not actually spend time with their families because they're constantly working. So try and at some point take like de-risk your own self from your business start buying assets so that you can actually do the things that you guys want to do which is ultimately spend more time with your loved ones so that's what i would say for ending this episode absolutely love it okay guys thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and we will see you on the next one Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to that latest episode of the Passive Buddies podcast. I hope you absolutely loved it and took so much value from it that you can go and make a difference in your life, in your finances, in your family's life. If you want to know more and if you want to connect with us on a more personal level, ask some questions, learn step-by-step how to make passive income online and the marketing strategies behind it, then there's a link to our free group below. Definitely click that link join the free facebook group and let's connect and let's help you get to your next steps see you on the next episode guys